0: And now we take you to Evangel Church in Tallahassee, Florida, to another powerful, life-changing message. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. During the summer, what we like
1: to do is we like to, to do a series, but we like to kind of have it loosely connected. And so we've been walking through the series called Influencers, where we've been taking a look at individuals in the Bible and, uh, and their life and, um, and asking them kind of this question, asking, posing this question that if this individual was here today, like if this person was here today, what advice would they give you and I so that we could reach our full potential in Christ? And so we've over the last 10 weeks, uh, we've learned some pretty impactful things. We've we've uh, learned that from some pretty influential uh, people. And today what I want to do is I want to I talk to you about a woman in the Bible that maybe, maybe you've not heard about her as much. But it's a woman that if she was here today, I believe that she would talk to us about a value that, that really many of us struggle with, but we see this value throughout Scripture. In fact, when you look at this value, it's mis- mentioned twice as much As heaven and hell. It's mentioned almost half in Jesus's parables. And then if I preached about this value as much as the Bible talked about this value, then you would hear me talking about it about once every five sermons. Today, I want to talk to you, I want to introduce you to a woman by the name of Rebecca. And I want us to look at the value of generosity in our life, being generous with our time, our talent, and our treasure. And I believe that if Rebecca was here today, that I think this is what she would say to you and I, that it's not what we give, it's how we give it. That it's not as much about what we give as much as it is about how we give it. So this morning, if you got your Bible, why don't you grab that, and uh, we're gonna make our way to Genesis chapter 24. In just a few minutes. And before we do, uh, we're going to prepare our hearts with this prayer. If you've been around uh, a little bit, you'll know that um, we, we say this prayer together uh, before we get into God's word. And so if you're new here, if you're comfortable repeating it, do it. If not, you can hang back and, and wait for the next few weeks. But, um, family, would you say this with me out loud? Father, as I open your word today, speak to me. May I have ears to hear, a heart to receive and the courage to respond. In Jesus' name, amen. Great job. Great job. Well, generosity. Generosity is a value um, that I've kind of learned in my life to to grow to love. I don't think that we naturally uh, come out of the womb with this desire to be generous in what we do. It's something for me in my own life that it doesn't come, come natural, it doesn't come easy, but I've learned in my journey with the Lord that, that the more that I am generous with, with my life, that the more I feel like I'm in alignment with God and his purposes for my life. Now, here's what I know as a pastor. Every pastor struggles talking about this concept because there's been a lot of, of, uh, uh, of times and people that have twisted it and used it for uh, personal gain. But just because that's happened doesn't negate the fact that generosity is at the very core of who God is. That if you had to instantly pick a, a characteristic of God, this would be the first one that you would go to. For God so loved the world that what did he do? He gave. He was generous with his one and his only son. And so I fully understand as a pastor, I fully understand that as soon as you heard the word generous, that your mind goes to money and your hand goes to your wallet. I get it. I get it. And that's totally okay. But how many of us know that generosity and living this value in our life, that it's not just about money? that this value of generosity that God desires for us to live, that it influences the way that we see all of the resources that God has entrusted us with. It influences the, the choices that we make about our time, our talent, and our treasure. And it influences, even more than that, it influences the way that we talk to people, it influences the way that you and I see situations and seasons that we walk through. It, it influences the way that we feel about other people and whether we're gonna choose to forgive somebody that has hurt us or whether we're gonna choose to hold on to a grudge. And, and I think that's why in Scripture that the Bible is so clear about the impact that this value of generosity has in our lives. In Proverbs chapter 11 verse 24, that it says that the world of the generous, look what it says, that it gets larger and larger, that it is, that it expands, but the world of the stingy, that it gets smaller and smaller. That in Psalms 112, verse 5, it says God will, will what? Will come to those who are generous and lend. That there is there is almost kind of a magnetic value to generosity in our life that draws the presence of God and the activity of God in our lives. And what I've noticed in, in my 45 years, and I, I'm kind of in that sweet spot, I think, because I got, enough, I got enough time behind me that I got a little bit of wisdom, but I still got enough time ahead of me that I can glean from others and not make as many mistakes along the way, right? So I'm kind of in the sweet spot. And what I've noticed in my 45 years is that there's two types of people. There's two types of people. You didn't get your signal. <laughs> There's two types of people. There's the have-tos and the I get-tos. That's my father-in-law. He told me that he was going to wear tennis shoes today, and if I held up the number two, that he'd go running around the auditorium. (laughs) And I told him he didn't get a signal. Um, Two types of people, the have-tos and the I get-tos. If you've ever been around somebody that's a have-to, they can suck the life right out of you, can't they? It's like everything that they do in life, there's this feeling that they they kind of have to. It's like a, a grin it and bear it. And and you see that that perspective of life of feeling like we have to. And and there's no way to keep that where where my outside of walking with God is have to, but my inside of walking with God is a get to. Like there's no way to keep those separated. That if we have this perspective of life of I have to, it naturally impacts our spiritual life. And so we look at opportunities like reading the Bible of I I, I have to do this, right? Or this this principle of, of prayer that that mm man, I've got to pray, I, I have to pray, I've, I have to pray more in my life, or or, or church, like, oh, I got to get up again and get the kids ready, and man, do you realize, like, how much arguing happens in the minivan all the way to church, and, and, and then we got to open the door and get out of the minivan, and it's like, we got to put the smile on our face and make everybody think all is good, I've been there, I got three kids, I've done that. You know, the whole idea of, of, of serving, the whole idea of giving is something that, that you feel like you have to do. And it just it just begins this it becomes this kind of drag on your life. And and then you get to get around the I get to kind of people. I don't know if you've ever been around those, but those kind of people, they just they just bring energy into the relationship. They bring encouragement, they challenge us like people that look at the opportunity to to get into the Word of God and they wake up in the morning and they're like, man, I get to get into God's Word. I get these words that the Holy Spirit has influenced to human writers to to impact my life and to lead me and guide me today. Or I get to get into the presence of God. I get to come into church. I get to get my kids ready. And I I get to put them in the kids' church so that they can can develop the necessary values in their lives. Lives, to become the little men and the little women of God that, that He's called them to be. I, I get to be in this place together with other believers, and, and I get to be in an amazing atmosphere of worship. And I get to sing to God and, 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 and I get to do it in a way to where nobody can hear me, but I can still sing. And, and it sounds great from my ears, but I know that it sounds awful. And, and, and I get to be able to sit here and I get to be able to receive some, some of God's word and some inspiration to help me live my life and to be all that God has called me to be. I, I, I get to, to get up and to kind of rush to get to church in the morning so that, that I can be at the front door. I can bounce some babies on my knee or I can, I can hug some necks and I can serve. I can make coffee so that when people come in and they can hardly keep their eyelids open and, and they get that coffee and it's, mm, and it's warm and, and they hold it And they kind of squeeze it and they drink it and 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 I get this like I get this like deep down like amazing feeling when I see the smile on their face and I get to like I don't know about you but that's the way that I want to live my life and those are the kind of people that I want to be around people that that look at life, that have the perspective of life and following Christ as, as I get to do this, not I have to do this. You see, generosity is less about what we give and it's more about the heart behind what we give. It's more about how we give and I think that's what we're gonna see in Genesis chapter 24 in Rebecca's life. I want to set up this story real quick. Rebecca is, is Abraham's future daughter-in-law. So the story that we're going to be looking at today is before she gets married to his son, Isaac. And you may remember Abraham. We talked about him a few weeks ago. Abraham, man, he got this bold promise from God, right? Like step outside of your tent in the evening, look up at the sky and 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 he sees all the stars that are in the sky and God gives him this this promise that your descendants will number the stars. I mean, think about that promise. And we saw in Abraham's life that that just because he had a promise didn't mean it all came easy right? There was a gap between the promise and the fulfillment of the promise. How many people have ever been in the gap before, right? The season of waiting where you've got a word from God, but it hasn't come to pass yet. And, and we find Abraham and, and, and he makes some good decisions and he makes some bad decisions in the gap, but he's in the gap and he's getting older. Isaac is beginning to get older and he recognizes that if Isaac doesn't find a spouse, then the promise can never be fulfilled. And so here's what happens. Abraham calls over his his senior servant and and his senior servant's name is Eliezer and, and, and gives Eliezer the mission of a lifetime. Here's the mission. Go find a wife for my son. Now, I don't know about you, but that sounds a little weird to me because why wouldn't Isaac go find his own wife? Like, let, let the boy go find his own wife. But did you know the custom of those days was it was the parent that chose the spouse? I don't know about you, but I'm all for bringing that custom back. I got three kids, and um, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm taking cash or check or credit card. But think about the pressure that was on Eliezer's, like, life in that moment. The pressure of him having to be the one to find Isaac's spouse. To be the one that was, like, like directly connected to the promise of God on Abraham's life to be fulfilled. And the fact that Abraham and Isaac, man, they aren't even going to be there. And the pressure is on him to choose the right one. Now watch what happens in Genesis chapter 24, starting in verse 10. It says this, that the servant left, taking him 10 of his master's camels loaded with all kinds of good things from his master. So some gifts and some jewelry and all that stuff. And, And he set out to Aram Nahiram, I don't know if I got that right, but it sounded like I did. So we'll keep going. And made his way to the town of Nahor. Now, Nahor is Abraham's brother. Verse 11 says, He had the camels near, uh, oh my gosh, kneel down, <laughs> near, down, near the well. Say that. Near down, near the well, outside the town. It was toward evening the time that the women go out to draw water. And then scripture says in verse 12, then he prayed, Lord God of my master Abraham, make me successful today. How many of you know we need to be praying over our big decisions in life? And he says, and show kindness to my master Abraham. Verse 13, see, I am standing beside the spring and the daughters of the townspeople are coming out to draw water. Now, what Eliezer's is uh, doing here is what the Old Testament refers to, putting out a fleece. And it gets its name and its practice from uh, the story of Gideon in Judges chapter 6. And it's this, this idea that, that, God, if you will do this, that then I'll know that I need to do this. You got that? God, if you will do this, then I will know that I need to do this. Now, now, this is a practice and a custom in the Old Testament. Uh, they did not have the Holy Spirit in their lives then. We have the Holy Spirit in our lives, um, and maybe that's why um, putting out a fleece was never mentioned in the entire New Testament writings. And so, I believe that that's because. Our uh, leading uh, is supposed to come from the Holy Spirit, not laying out fleeces of God. If you'll do this, I will do this. But, but here's the fleece that Elisha prays. In verse 14, he says, May it be that when I say to a young woman, please let down your jar that I may have a drink. And she says, drink, and I'll water your camels too. Let her be the one that you have chosen For your servant Isaac. By this I will know that you have shown kindness to my master. Now I'm going to tell you in just a minute why that is a bold request. But in verse 15, it says, before he even finished praying, that Rebecca came out with her jar on her shoulder. Now, we don't know how big that jar was, but, but usually in those days, those jars were somewhere between two gallons and five gallons that they would, they would carry around with them. And, and so here Rebecca is, she's, she's at the well, she's getting water, and the servant walks up to her and says, can I have a drink? And she responds, sure, and our water your camels too. Now, again, this may not sound like a big deal, but I want to show you why this is a big deal. And we got a graphic up here on the screen so that I can kind of walk you through it just a little bit. All right, so he took with him 10 camels. One camel drinks 30 gallons of water when it's thirsty. So that means that 10 camels times 30 gallons equals 300 gallons of water. Let's say Rebecca is carrying the larger jar of five gallons, that kind of a jug. It would take her 60 trips back to the well and back to the camels, back to the well and back to the camels, 60 trips for her to be able to bring 300 gallons of water to these 10 camels. Now, let's say that, that 60 trips um, equals three hours. So let's say that three minutes per trip. So let's say it takes her three minutes to fill up the five-gallon jug, to kind of walk it to wherever the camels are, to be able to allow them to drink, and then to go back, that that takes three minutes. That would take her three hours to be able to give water to all 10 of these camels. Now, five gallons of water actually weighs forty two pounds, so imagine forty two pounds times sixty trips equals two thousand five hundred and twenty pounds that Rebecca ends up carrying. This is not just like a casual oh like like our dog where we like give her water like once every two days. Um, this is not some just casual i mean this is a major um, major deal that Rebecca is doing when she says, "Not only am I going to give you something to drink, but I will I will give your ten camels something to drink too." And and think about the fact that Eliezer is a complete stranger, like a complete stranger, kind of walking up, and she didn't even think twice to go above and beyond to serve him and and to care for his camels. And you know, you probably know as well as I do that. That kind of mentality to go above and beyond and and to be able to respond to a need from a, a total stranger is something that really is complete contrast to the culture that we're in today. Like our human nature does not want to go out of our way to be inconvenienced, to spend three hours that was totally not, not, not put in her calendar and not planned for. Like the whole idea of having to go through all of those trips and the amount of weight that she um, had to carry. Like our human nature is, is to not just do stuff like that. I mean, when you think of our society and, and our culture today, it's, it's more about expecting a lot with only hoping to give little, right? It's, try, it's hoping that we get as much as we can with as little effort as possible. And, and we see this attitude really creep into our spiritual lives, where even our spiritual lives and our relationship with God, we want all of what God has to offer us, but we wanna give him as little as we possibly need to. And friend, when we think about Generosity and we think about Rebecca and what she would have to say to us today. I believe she would be sitting right down here on the front row and she'd be she'd be and she would jump up in this moment and she'd be like, No, no, like you guys, you have it all wrong. Like the, the perspective that you have on life and the way that you look at your possessions, the things that you have, that, that you've got it all wrong. That the kingdom of God and the life of being a Christ follower is about having the right motives. It's about how we live our lives and it's about going above and beyond what is expected in order to make a difference in the lives of other people. And I wonder if that value is the reason why Jesus made this statement in Luke chapter 6 that if somebody asks for your coat, what do you do? You give them your shirt also. That Jesus says if they ask you for it, please don't ask me for my coat tonight because I just, it's been a long time since I worked out and that um, <laughs> won't be pretty for any of us. Um, but Jesus said if they ask for your coat, give them your shirt too. He's saying go above and beyond and what you see from the story with Rebecca if you keep reading is that in essence Elijah proposes to Rebecca with with a bunch of of jewelry and and I find it fascinating that Rebecca says yes to Isaac sight unseen like Rebecca had no idea how ugly Isaac might have been and Rebecca's like yeah and um Guys, I think that says something about the power of jewelry <laughs> with the women in our life. And so, uh, I don't know, but it's in scripture. And so, um, <laughs> and so, Rebecca ends up marrying Isaac, okay? And because of her generosity, an entire nation begins the nation that God ordained. To carry his salvation into the world. What an amazing story, and what an amazing champion of of generosity. It's not as much about what we give as it is how we give it. Today, I want to give you just three quick quick principles from Rebecca's life that I think we can take this value and this idea of generosity and and live it out in our everyday life. The first one is this is that generosity is a decision it's not a feeling generosity is a decision not a feeling there's a pastor in Georgia a uh, pastor's of a large church his name's Andy Stanley and he makes this statement he says choices lead feelings follow choices lead feelings follow in other words if we are to sit back and to wait to feel the feeling of being generous, generous with our time and our talent and our, our treasure, before we are actually generous with those things, then we will never be generous. If we sit back and wait for the feeling, it'll never happen. And the reason why is because generosity goes totally against our human nature. I mean, why I got three kids. Why when, when kids are born, what's the first word that they normally say? Mine, right? In it, mine, mine. It's, it's the stingy attitude that even from, from birth and even from the beginning stages, um, no matter what kind of environment they grow up into, there's this, this idea of this is mine, And it doesn't matter how many years we add to our life from that moment, that perspective on the things that God has entrusted us with um, doesn't change a whole lot. That it really does take a, a move of God in our heart to get us to a place to where we quit looking at the things that he's blessed us with and quit calling them mine. Church, as Christ followers, being generous and allowing this value of generosity to operate in our life means that we have to make a decision to live that way, not wait for the feeling to take us there. And Jesus put it this way in Matthew chapter six, verse 21. And this is a, a, a scripture that gets, um, that people get backwards all the time. He said this, he said, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. That where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And we we assume that what Jesus is saying here is that our money follows our heart that as we feel something, that we invest in those things. But what Jesus is trying to help us see, now remember, our kingdom and the way that we look at things is completely different than the way that God looks at things. Like, I think sometimes we have this perspective of God that he's bigger than us, but we struggle to have the perspective of God that he's smarter than us. And God has this kingdom principle that it's not, it's not that money follows our heart. It's that our heart follows our money. That it's a decision that you and I have to make in our lives. In other words, don't, don't sit around waiting on your heart to be moved to give of your time, talent, and treasure. I tell you, you passed, you passed through a, a lot of people today that, that got up early and they're here to volunteer and to just be an encouragement to you and, and and to use their gift to make a difference in the lives of others. And I guarantee you half of them, if not more than half of them, would have loved to be able to hit the snooze button and sleep in another hour or two. Some of them probably left home this morning with no breakfast because they were running late, but they made a decision that I am going to be generous with my gift and with my talent, and so I'm committed and I'm going to be there. That if they would have left uh, led by their feelings, they would have hit the snooze button and not shown up or never even uh, chosen to be a part of a serve team. You see, if we're going to be a people of, of principle, then Even when the feeling isn't there, Rebecca, the whole idea of taking three hours out of her day that's totally unexpected and carrying a ton of of weight around, that even when the feeling isn't there, that we still give. Number two, the generosity and guilt, listen folks, they can't coexist generosity and guilt can't coexist and that's why for 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 us as a church like you will never see us up here guilting you into giving because that's not what it's about it's not about what you give it's about how you give that we we should not have to get up here and to to make you feel bad if you don't give that that's something that should be an, an outflow of the gratitude and the thankfulness that's in our heart. Like, I'm gonna be honest. Like, there's, there's some months that I look at our, our tithe and our offering, and I think there's a whole lot of other places I could send this to that would make my life a little easier. There's times that I don't feel like being faithful with my giving. But Andrew and I have decided in our heart that it's a decision, not a feeling. That we've decided because of God's faithfulness in our life and that all he's done, again, it don't matter if he does one more thing, he's done enough. That we've decided that we want to partner with him and what he's doing and what he wants us to do. And so every month that, that goes out. There's times that like last Sunday that, that Andrea was feeling awful and she came and she pressed through worship, um, not because she felt like being here, because she didn't but she made a decision in her heart that she's, I'm gonna, I'm gonna use my gifting and I'm gonna worship God and I'm gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna allow God to use me to lead your people into his presence. Church, generosity is not about the feeling, it's a decision, it's a committed decision that we make in our life and, and, and that's part of the reason why generosity is a core value of our church. We, we have this statement as it relates to generosity that we're gonna choose to live life with an open hand rather than a closed fist. That instead of trying to live my life holding on to my talent and my time and, and my treasure, that I'm gonna live my life like this because everything that I have belongs to God anyway. And if he's not just bigger than me, but he's smarter than me, that when he asks for something, I can trust that my best interest is in his heart. And I think of this past week, and I had an opportunity to, to meet with a couple, and, and they looked at me, and, and they said, Ryan, we have never been a part of a church as generous as Evangel. And I looked at them, and I didn't say thank you. I said, I'm sorry. Sounds like a weird response, like it kind of caught them a little off guard, and I said, I'm sorry. Because generosity is at the core of of who God is. And if it's at the core of who God is, and it should be at the core of who we are as Christ followers, and it should be at the core of who we are as a church, like that should be the impression that everybody gets from every church. If we are truly doing what scripture says, trying to imitate God in our life, becoming more and more like him. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 verse 7. It says, each of you should give. I got that circled in my Bible because it's not a choice of whether we give or not. We all should give. But look at, look at what it says here. Give what you have decided in your heart to give. It's not a feeling. It's a decision. Like when it comes to your finances, you You don't come to church waiting on the feeling to decide what you're going to give. You make a decision. God, this is what I'm giving as a, a heart of gratitude and thankfulness. And no matter what I feel like in the moment, no matter whether I feel like pulling that back out or not, it is going in because I am making a decision to partner with your kingdom. He says it's something, it's a decision in your heart. He says, says not reluctantly. So, so he's saying, don't, don't be stingy about the things that God has blessed you with. And he says this, or under compulsion. So in other words, that means don't do it just because someone is good at stirring up your emotions. And, and I mean, we see commercials like that all about like dogs and animals and stuff, right? It just tries to, to stir up. Like I saw one on elephants lately and I was like, baby, you want to give to save elephants, you know, you see them everywhere and they, they try to stir your emotions to, to get you to give. And the Bible is saying, don't, don't give that way. Make a decision of what you're going to give. And look what it says, for God loves a cheerful giver. That he loves a cheerful giver. That he loves it when we don't look at the offering time as a have to, but we look at it as an opportunity to get to. To get to partner with all that God is wanting to do. When we look at serving, we don't look at as have to. We look at get to be able to do that. And, and I think of that word cheerful in the, in the Greek, it's hilaros. And it's actually where we get our word hilarious. I mean, think about that. Like if, if we were really living it out, every time the offering bucket went by and you dropped something, <laughs> that would be kind of weird. But That's what it's saying. Like it's this attitude, this cheerful, like excited, like I get to partner with God with my time and my talent, my treasure. And what's cool is this word that it describes someone who's, who's ready to act because they've already made up their mind. This word means it describes somebody that's ready to respond. You need me to. You need me to help for a serve day. You need me to to join the usher team. You need me to to help with kids ministry or youth ministry. You need me to, to join up in the production team. You need me to 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 help. I mean, I, I've tried to be a part of the worship team, but that's not worked too well. Um, but you need me to do that. I'm excited. Let's go. Like you don't, have to, you don't have to like bend my arm. You don't have to try to, to, to make me feel good about it. Like let's go. Like God's done so much for my life. Like he saved me, set me free. I get to spend eternity in heaven and I want everybody else that I come in contact to experience the same thing. So let's go. Like, like let's, let's have a perspective of I get to, not I have to. And that's what that word means. And it says in the very next verse, And God is able to bless you abundantly. In other words, you, those people from the previous verse, those people that have decided in their heart to not be stingy and not to do something out of emotion, but to to be committed and make a decision, that, that those people that God is able to bless abundantly, that That God is like, he's like, because you understand that it's not about what you give, but it's about how you are giving it, that I can bless those kinds of people because they have not just an open heart, but an open hand. And it says, bless you abundantly so that all things, all things in all times having all that you need, that you will abound in every good work, meaning your job, your marriage, your relationships, your, your emotions, that, that those areas of your life abound. As Proverbs chapter 11 said in the beginning, like your world gets bigger and bigger, not smaller and smaller. And Friend, that's the way that I wanna live my life. And that's the way that I want our church to, to operate and to be, that, that, that we become a people that gets to, not has to. And we look at this opportunity to worship together of, man, we get, to, we get to go to church today. I get to see my friends. I get to meet new people. I get to encourage somebody and I get to receive encouragement. Like, I get to, let's go. Like, Generosity. And then number three, I'm going to close with this and my worship team can make their way up quietly. Number three, that God will always give you more than you gave up. God will always give you more than you gave up. Now our worldly perspective, again, God's ways are not our ways, right? Our ways, thanks and this is where it's been distorted in Scripture through um, a prosperity gospel, which is, is God blesses us so that we can have more, that we can gather. And that's just not biblical. We are supposed to be a conduit of his blessing. As he blesses us, we bless other people. It's not the blessing is not for us to hoard and, and to keep to ourselves. And and what we see here in, in giving more, our mind goes to here, God's mind goes to there. That He will always give you more than what you gave up here. And we see that here in Matthew chapter 10, verse 42. It says, and if anyone gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones who's my disciple, truly I tell you that that person will certainly not lose their reward. And this um, word reward in the Greek, that it's, it's one that implies that you and I, that we're gonna be paid back for our generosity in heaven, that it, that it awaits us there. Paul speaks of the same reward and the same idea that God will always give you more than you gave up. He says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10, he says, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Friends, we're all going to appear one day at the judgment seat of Christ. And the purpose of that is so that each one of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in this body. Whether good or bad. The friend at that judgment seat, two things are going to happen. One, if we've lived away from God and apart from God, then at that moment we receive the penalty, the payment for our sin. But if we've lived a life, or nothing else will do. Lord, all I want is you. Friend, you and I, the promise is is that we get rewarded for living that kind of way. And friend, God's reward on your life and my life will far exceed any reward that you and I could get here on earth. It's not about what we give, that it's about how we give it. Friend, what Rebecca did that day, it was an inconvenience. I mean, it cost her greatly both of her time and her energy. But what Rebecca didn't know was that this act of generosity and her faithfulness to God that would lead her down a path where she would end up marrying Isaac a matriarch of Israel and would eventually become the great, 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 one moment she chose not to be stingy to go above and beyond it wasn't an offering it was her time I love what the apostle Paul said to his ministry friend Philemon he said this I always thank my God when I pray to you, Philemon, when I pray for you. Because I keep hearing about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all of God's people. And I'm praying that you will put into action the generosity that comes from your faith. The generosity that comes from your faith. It's not about you, it's not beca- about me, it's not because we're good people. It's a generosity that becomes that comes out of our faith as you understand and experience all the good things that we have in Christ that it is an outward flow of what we've learned and know about God and what we've experienced God do in our lives that leads us into this action this lifestyle of generosity and he says your love has given me much joy In comfort, he says, My brother, for your kindness, that it's often refreshed the hearts of God's people. Friend, what if, what if God found a church full of people that made a decision? To live for him and to be generous for him not because they have to but because they have a heart full of gratitude and thankfulness and a desire to see God do what he's done in their life and the lives of others friend you want to see revival I give you revival culture wouldn't know what to do with that some of the people that have been the most influential in your life have been the most generous friend I believe God is calling this church to be a light in a dark place it's not because of a nice sound system and fancy lighting of how we live our lives and the decision we make not to keep it to ourselves, but to share it with every single person we come into contact with. Would you bow your head with me today? Father, we thank you. We thank you. God, for your word, we thank you for your son. Lord, may we never lose sight of the significance of our sin. May we never lose sight, no matter how bad we think we were as a person or how good we think we were as a person, that, God, we still are sinners in need of a Savior. And so, Father, I pray. That God, you would birth the Rebecca spirit within us. But Father, we would be a people and we would be a church that doesn't live life and look at the things you've entrusted in us with. The closed fist. Father, with an open hand. But God, we'd be a people that doesn't live for you because we have to but we live for you because we get to. With every head bowed and eye closed, maybe there's somebody here today, or maybe you're watching online and you would say, Ryan, I've, I've, never, I've never made a decision to surrender my life to God. Or maybe you're here today and maybe you've drifted You're feeling that right now. You're feeling the the tug of your heart because you've recognized it. You've drifted from God. Friend, that's the Holy Spirit trying to pull you back in. You know, the greatest act of generosity was the act that God took when he gave his one and only son This morning, I'm not going to ask you to come forward. I'm not going to ask you to stand. But I want to lead you in the most important prayer of your life. How do you receive this amazing gift from God? You receive it by surrendering your life to him. Which means no longer do you call the shots, but he calls them. And if that's you today with every head bowed and eye closed, i not I want you to just slip up your hand for just a second you can put it down. I just want to see who I'm praying for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're watching at home, online, maybe you're, maybe you're listening on the podcast in the car on the way to work. If that's you today, I want you to say this prayer with me. Jesus, Thank you for dying for my sins. Forgive me for living life my way. Today I choose to surrender to you. Come live inside of me and change me into the person you want me to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Church family, would you give it up for those that made a decision,
0: came back to the Lord today. We pray right now that God uses this message to plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. Evangel's all about making the name of Jesus famous and his church glorious. We love God, love people, and love life. And we're here for you, working to help draw people from impossible situations into a loving and friendly circle of hope where answers are found and acceptance is given. We invite you to join us for any of our services, Sunday mornings at 10.30 and Wednesday evenings at 7. We're located at 2300 Old Bainbridge Road in Tallahassee. We have fantastic programs for kids and youth and small groups to make deeper connections. And we pray that God blesses you richly and abundantly as you continue to seek Him first in all of your life.